You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to this great episode of The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. I've just been talking to Stefan Murphy, who's the Managing Director of CZR Resources. It's a little company with a great future. It has some land right next to Rio Tinto's iron ore project in the Pilbara. CZR actually sandwiches Big Rio. It has an iron ore project at the northern end of one of Rio's projects and an iron ore project immediately to the south. The question is, will Rio decide to take CZR out? Will it offer to buy the project? Will will it just stand in the middle and watch the same sort of iron ore being mined on either side? Rio's train line runs right past the CZR property. CZR is continuing to advance the project while it waits to see if Rio wants to talk Turkey. But in addition to the iron ore, CZR also has a magnetite project. Magnetite is becoming very much uh, the hot trend of the day because of its environmental benefits to steel mills in Asia. It produces less CO2 as it's made into steel. CZR has had a magnetite project for some time. It's dusted it off and found that in fact this project has potential to be something very big. It's now started a process to bring in a partner. It's canvassing various parties who have already expressed an interest in joining it on the ground there. And in addition, it has a gold project in the Pilbara. The Pilbara never used to be popular for gold, but of course, De Grey and Calidus and a couple of others changed all that, and they're right next to De Grey's famous project up there. One other thing in CZR's favour is it has a shareholder known to so many people, a chap by the name of Mark Creasy, who's a major shareholder in the company and in some of its projects directly. Mark knows gold exploration probably better than just about anyone in WA, and he's keeping a close eye on proceedings too. Stephen Murphy's a fantastic bloke. He talks very well. He's been a geo and a broker, so he knows both sides of the game. I think investors will get a lot out of this podcast. Enjoy it. Stephen, they say you can judge people by the company they keep, and the same goes for miners. You're keeping pretty good company in the Pilbara, aren't you? Oh, it's a pretty amazing part of the world where we are, and it's pretty unique to have a project which sits a long stripe from a major. So it's not a one of these neurology type plays with, with Rio next door to us. It's actually the same ore body extends across the tenement boundary. Um, and, you know, we've really been able to grow the project for over the past 12 to 18 months now. So we started with 8 million tonnes of reserve and we're at 27 million tonnes and, and counting. And, um, and all the work that we've done shows that we've effectively got the same ore body, same deposit. And, and there's an awful lot of interest from from off-takers because they, they love the product. They love the, the Rogue Valley product that Rio's been selling for oh, 40, 50 years now. Now, you've got the Rogue Mesa pro- project of CZR comprises two lumps of land, doesn't it? One at the north northern end, in simple terms, of Rio Tinto's project, and one at the southern end. So basically, Big Rio is sandwiched by little CZR. Absolutely, and probably a little bit more as well. There's so much more to the to the seas that are landholding than, than people really know. But we've got the road Mesa deposit, which we've got the reserve on at the moment. That's part of the DFS. And then immediately to the south, so sandwiching Rio's Mesa F, is our road Mesa South deposit. So that's got a resource on it. We're going to get out there, drill that, and look to bring that into the mine plan. But our actual landholding is quite a lot bigger. It extends further where we just put out some news about our magnetite project. But we've also got more land butting right up against Rio's Warrenboo mine, which is just on the other side of the highway from the, from the Mesa A mine, so currently operating. 
So we're looking to get out there soon and do some drilling because we've got iron ore coming across onto our tenement. So we really are surrounding, you know, what is a tier one jurisdiction? You know, you know Rogue Valley's been mined since the 60s and 70s. So what is Rio doing on its lump of land that sits in the middle of your two lumps of land? What's happening? You've published photos. I've seen pictures of Rio Tinto drilling rigs going right up to the border of your Rogue Mesa project. What's happening on the, on the Rio Tinto property? A huge amount of drilling. I wouldn't mind having their budget because there was somewhere around 11 to 12 drill rigs and a whole bunch of heavy earth moving equipment up there. So not an awful lot of work been been done on Rio side of the border for years and years ever since we've been operating there. But last year there was a huge amount of work. They've drilled it out to a 50 by 50 grid over the entire Mesa Ref. So clearly there's a lot of activity going on there. Um, we've been putting out some good results so they know what our project looks like. Obviously they can see the grades. We've, put out the metallurgy as well. So um, a lot of money being spent there. Um, and the deposit itself, because it sits up above um, the the plateau, it's above the water table. So it's a it's an attractive area to mine because you don't have all the other issues. We don't have to worry about um, mining below the water table or all these sorts of things. So um, we suspect that's why Rio is really having a closer look at Mesa Ref on our doorstep. Now you say suspect because it's all secret squirrel stuff, isn't it? Rio doesn't exactly tell the world what it's up to. You can see because you look over the fence that they're drilling and doing a lot of drilling. So presumably they like what they've got and they're working they're working the project up. Absolutely. You can draw a little bit of information out of, you know, public reports. So one of the key things is that the the joint venture, so it's Mitsui and Nippon Steel with with Rio. Um, they spent $1.7, $1.8 billion. Now, that wasn't to you know, expand production. That was just to replace existing production from Road Valley. So they've started up another mine at Mesa, Mesa B, Mesa C and, and H. So they're slowly but surely getting closer and closer to where our operations are. Um, probably another thing which isn't really seen as much, uh, the Road Valley used to do 32, 33 million tonnes per annum. It's actually only doing about 25, 26 million tonnes. So there's a big production shortfall at the moment. So they're really trying to backfill that production shortfall. And that's all public information as well. So we're seeing a lot of investment going into the area. We're seeing there's a production shortfall and we're smack bang in the middle of it all. And they've got their train line that runs basically right through your backyard, haven't they? Just to the, just to the north of your of your block. Yeah, just to the north. So their processing plant at Mesa Ray is only 30 kilometres away. And, um, and the rail line is immediately to the north of us. So a lot of infrastructure around us. So at your project, Road Mesa, north of Rio, you're doing a DFS, you know what you've got. What what have you got? Why do you like it? Why would Rio like it? Oh, it's exactly the same ore. Um, iron ore is still trading at you know, over $100 a tonne at the moment. The margin on this material is, is huge. Uh, the results that we've put out show that we can develop the project, really strong returns, really low uh, OPEX, but Rio's even lower again, aren't they? Because they've got the rail line, they've sunk the capital, they can send it off to Cape Lambert and put it onto the big ship. So where we show that we've got very strong returns, even for someone like Rio, be even stronger returns. And then immediately to the south, that's the other one. You've got Minres developing Ken Spore and Onslow Iron. That's that's 35 million tonne per annum operation. So at the project level, we're, we're sandwiched by, by Rio. But within 30, 40 kilometres of us, we've got even more um, development going on. You know, that's a $3 billion development um, and that's going gangbusters also. So have you had any discussions with Rio about about whether they might want to just buy you out? It would make sense, wouldn't it? You've got all these uh, reserves and DFS underway to the north. As you say, you've got resources to the south. It'd be a no-brainer just to come and chew up a little company like CZR. It'd be, it'd be crumbs for them, wouldn't it? 
Uh, no comment. <laughs> no, look, clearly there's a lot of synergies there. Um, and Rio's a big company. So, you know, Caesar's really nimble. We've been able to turn this DFS around extremely quickly. Um, we've got almost all of our tenure granted, all of our heritage environmental. We're really close to finalising the port. So we've been able to do most of that just in 18 months, which is phenomenal speed. Um, Rio's a big company, so it, we just need to get them to move at our pace a little bit more. So if, if let's assume Rio does move at a snail's pace, as is the want of big companies, you get on with your business, you're advancing Road Mesa in its own right. What comes next? Well, the DFS is coming out. It's scheduled for the uh, sort of late September. Um, we ideally wanted to have it out about three months ago. We just had a few delays with the port and getting that sorted out. So we put out some news in the quarterly around that as well. So we're getting really close to finalising the port. We've got the, the pack, which is the Port of Ashburton Consortium, all sorted out now. That's ourselves, CSL doing the transshipping and strike resources. So we've we're building the, the DFS on a three and a half million tonne per annum over eight years. We did also mention uh, when we put the results out that we've got low grade material as well, which di didn't sit in the in the mine plan. But we've also now put out news around the metallurgy results. So the low grade is really attractive. So we're looking to build that into the ore reserves and the mine plan as well. So there's a huge amount of work going on behind the scenes. You know, feasibility studies aren't sexy at the best of times, unfortunately. So. Uh, news flow can be a little bit limited, but we're getting closer and closer to the finish line there. But the recent work you did on, on metallurgy showed that the road Mesa ore of CZR is a perfect replacement for other ore being generated by Rio and the likes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, Rio Tinto, FMG. So it replaces that type of ore very easily in, in steel mills. It goes into the sinter plant. So it's a really simple operation. It's a DSO crush, screen, and send the product off. And it can replace those those uh, those different products. And we're we're speaking to all the major off takers. Um, there's a huge amount of interest. And when we look at iron ore, there's you know four components: there's iron, phosphorus, silica, alumina. And our project is really attractive also on the phosphorus, which sort of really also speaks to some of that uh, the green the green story as well, having the lower phosphorus going into the steel. Now moving away from Robe Mesa, Stefan, you've got a magnetite project. Magnetite used to make people's eyes glaze over, let's be honest. It was the most boring thing you could ever discuss in the mining industry. Um, and, but now, it's time has come, and you've had a dormant project there, which you dusted off. Why would you turn your attention to Magnetite? Yeah, it's funny. I started my career with BHP back in the you know, late 90s, and Magnetite was the stuff we threw in the waste dump. Um, that's just the reality of it. Where we're at now, and in particular with um, you know lower carbon emission real look towards DRI, trying to increase the head grade of the feed going into the steel mills. So as we're going through the feasibility for, for Road Mesa, our, our team are focused on that, our engineering team are focused on that. But within CZR, and obviously we had Mark Creasy, he vended a lot of the projects into CZR, there's a huge amount of opportunity in other projects sitting within the portfolio, which we just simply don't promote, we don't look at closely enough. But a lot of these projects over the last 10 years have had a huge amount of work done on them. So Ashburton in particular, as we've been going through the robe um, DFS, but also talking to off-takers, talking to strategic investors offshore, they have been asking a lot about magnetite. Now, we've drilled over seven kilometres of RC and diamond into Ashburton between 2014 and 2016, two rounds of metallurgical test work. So there's a huge amount of work that have been done on that project. We really needed to quantify hey, is this thing going to be big enough to support, you know, a long-life operation that can therefore support 
the capital that you require for these types of projects. We know that there's this shift towards magnetite. There's a shift towards the well, green. Well, why is there a shift to magnetite? It's As far as magnetite, there's a couple of aspects to it, but by producing a higher-grade concentrate for the steel mills, it basically reduces their emissions because there's less requirements for coke and other things that generate um, CO2. Um, to go even further is to look at DRI. So if you get a DRI grade where you're looking more 66, 67% um, FE, it's a different type of process. So you're no longer in a blast furnace anymore. It's an electric arc furnace and you're able to um, use renewable and other sources of power to really, really cut back on the, um, on the amount of energy and the amount of CO2 that's emitted. So there's a huge push. We're hearing a lot coming from other participants in the space as well. A lot of inbound uh, interest in, in magnetite because of that. So you've had, as you say, inbound interest, Stefan. People have come to you. What are you going to do with this dormant magnetite project? You've already done quite a lot of drilling and, and uh, met, so you knew what you had on your hands. But what happens now? The, these things are big projects. Right? Rob Mesa is a classic case of uh, the iron ore project, a classic case of small fish being sweet, uh, easy, great, juicy margins mm. for a company of CZR yeah. size. A uh, bit of a no-brainer. But what happens with magnetite? You've got a bigger capex. It's not really made for small companies, is it? No, that's right. And that's that was the purpose of um, putting out the exploration target this week. We had to quantify it. We, we, a lot of work had been done, but it hadn't been quantified. So how big is this thing? So we've now shown and, you know, been pretty conservative as well. And we've done a lot of technical work. We've got, we modelled it up as 880 million tonnes, which is massive, right? And it produces a really high concentrate. We've shown that with the MET test work. So that's the sort of that's the level that gets a lot of interest from from offshore groups because they're looking at how can I develop a you know, a plus five million ton per annum concentrate um, 20, 30 years and then invest the capital into you know be that a new port or whatever it might be. Um, and so now we've shown look we've quantified it. We've shown that, that that's the size of the project. Um, so now it's really about the strategic partner. Um, we've already commenced that. That's been going for a little while now. Um, we're not going to fund putting this thing into production. We know that these plants cost a lot of money. Just look what happened at um, at uh, FMG up at Ironbridge. But when they get it right, which they have now, it's in production. They just sent their first ship out, so they're producing a really high-quality concentrate. So would you envisage CZR retaining a stake in a magnetite project or you're happy just to sell the whole thing, get a big fat check and move on? Oh, I love a big fat check any day of the week, Paul. Yeah. But ideally, like we are building an iron ore business at the moment. Um, and we've got to be pretty flexible about how we do it. So a lot of the offshore groups are looking for a, call it like a management team to help them manage it and run it. But ideally, we, we, we retain some sort of interest going forward, um, be that a royalty or some sort of JV interest. I think there's a, a great example down the road. It's not Magnetite, but Red Hill when they sold their project to, to uh, Minres. So big fat check to start off with, which is great. Um, but also a trailing royalty, which, you know, really provides that cash flow going into the future. Now, CZR's got a third string to its bow in the gold and the Pilbara. So you've got the iron ore, the magnetite and the gold. Now, the Pilbara for years was considered a gold-free zone by and large. I know there has been, you know, some gold up there many, many years ago, but obviously the huge success of De Grey has, has changed people's thinking. Um, Calidus is up and running and producing gold in the Pilbara. Uh, you've got your own gold operations up there as well or exploration project? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I look back to when I first started in the Pilbara back in the late 90s and uh, there was no gold. There was iron ore, DSO iron ore, and that's it. You drive around the Pilbara these days, it's a completely different kettle of fish. So the Malina Basin, which is De Grey's discovery, is huge. It's sitting at 
9.5 million ounces just for Hemi. Um, but the whole Melander project's 11.5 million ounces now. So it's a big, big project. There's a lot of gold there and it's really underexplored. And the beauty about our project, which just sits along strike from Hemi, is we've put drill holes into it and we've already got really high grade results back from that now. And what we want to find is where these intrusions are coming from. So we've done a lot of work, a lot of geophysics, and we're just finalising our agreement with the traditional owners, um, the Nullama Aboriginal Corporation, to allow us to get on the ground and start drilling these targets. So we're not far away. We're hoping to get back out there you know, the back end of this year and, and get those holes in there and get a little bit more excitement with some exploration because, like I said before, feasibility studies aren't sexy at the best of times. And we love exploring and, and discovering stuff as well. So we want to get out there and start drilling those targets. What do you know about your gold, though? What do you know about it, Stefan? I mean, how how advanced is it, do you think? How prospective is it? Extremely prospective. Like, how often do you get the opportunity to be right next door to a multi-million ounce discovery um, in a basin that, that has been so underexplored? And on top of that, we've got drilling in there that shows we've got gold so we've already we've proven that we have a gold system so that's that's not up for debate at all and we've in a proven you know emerging basin which is multi-million outs and I'm not sure what degrees capped at the moment but I'm sure it's well over a billion dollars so the opportunity for us to now really hone in and find these intrusions which is what really hosts the you know the the big gold resources that's that's our target that's where we want to go that's what we're going to be testing now you've got a bloke on your share register who knows a fair bit about gold exploration um, Who's that? Who's that? Uh, Mr. Mr. Creasy. Yes, yes. Mark Creasy, um, one of Australia's most well-known and successful explorers, I think credited with the likes of Jundee and Bronzewing gold mm-hmm. discoveries uh, in, the, in the 90s. Um, he obviously sees upside not just at the iron ore but at the gold too. Oh, Mark's, I think, pretty much walked every single square inch of the Croydon Project over the last however many years. So he's obviously a big fan of gold. He's, you know, he's previously been involved with DeGray and others as well. So he knows that neck of the woods really well. And that's why that project sits within our portfolio. And Mark's a joint venture partner there as well. I think he's got 30% of, of the project with CZR70. So he's a big believer in and that. And what's his stake in the company? 53%. So, so he's got a 53% stake in CZR and another 30% stake in the Croydon project. Exactly. He's heavily invested, as they say. Absolutely, absolutely, and can see the potential. So um, really keen for us to get out there and, and start drilling it. So once we get all of our approvals in place, we're, we're keen to get out there. So really exciting. Um, shame we haven't been able to get out there yet this year, but it's not going to be too far away. So let's wrap up by giving people the three your three key targets or objectives over the next six months, what are the between now and Christmas? What are the things you'd like to be able to achieve? Uh, with Road Mesa, we've done so much work there, so we really want to get to the delivery of the DFS, and then hopefully be in a position where it's funded or it's taken over. Um, we we really want to see some sort of value crystallisation for the CZR shareholders on Road Mesa in the next six months. So that's that's been a huge part of our strategy and that's you know to grow it to advance it and to get it to a point where we're ready to push the button on production or or let somebody else come in and and do it for us um so that's really where we see a huge amount of value but we've got a whole bunch of other assets within the portfolio so we've got croydon gold we want to get out there drill that so we can start putting out some news flow and start showing that the project has the potential to be another significant gold discovery Um, and then the third one is is around unlocking some of the other value in our in our assets. So we've spoken about the magnetite at Ashburton. So a dormant asset sat within the portfolio, no one really knows about, but it's got huge potential to be really, really 
big and add value to, to CZR shareholders. And further south as well, we've got our Butterdoo um, Vanadium project, which sits right in the heart of the new you know, Vanadium province with AVL, TMT and others which are developing a, you know, a new Vanadium mining centre. And, and our Butterdoo project is perfectly located closer to the port, closer to the processing infrastructure. And like with our magnetite, a huge amount of drilling has been done, a lot of testing has been done, and we can see that that project's got the potential to add a lot of value as well. Yeah, the company's really at a pivotal point, isn't it, where you've got projects that are really coming into their own, uh, but you're spread across the iron ore, magnetite and gold spheres, so you've got some diversity, uh, all happening in the Pilbara, arguably the best mining location in the world, uh, with, with plenty of action and news flow. It's a, it's a good proposition. What's the market cap at the moment? $34 million at the moment. So it's a lot of action for $34 million. A huge amount of action for $34. Our, our ore reserves, we had a, an MPV around 130 and we're looking to, to build on that. So we see that, um, and I'm sure every single managing director will sit in here and tell you that we're cheap, but given where we see the iron ore at the moment and the value that that's got um, and that we're taking that and we're de-risking it, and then we've got the gold and the magnetite and a lot of other projects, including the vanadium, which sit there and probably receive no value in the market. So when I spoke about that third point, um, it's about trying to unlock some of that value for shareholders as well. And that might be the way we structure CZR going forward, but certainly as the iron ore grows and becomes more mature and probably have a life of its own, we'll look at how we, we really structure those other assets. Fantastic. Seven, thanks for your time. Good luck. You've obviously got a lot on your plate. Uh, three great projects, all creating action, as we say. Um, and no doubt a big shareholder watching over your shoulder, keeping a close eye on things. Uh, much for investors to uh, get enthused about. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Paul. It's great. Cheers. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Red Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.